Hello everyone, welcome back or welcome to Passing Dimes. Dallas, good, you? I'm doing wonderful, Josh. We have a very exciting show on display here. Um, no guest. No guest. I, I mean, it wasn't without trying though, but uh, nobody was going to top the hot takes we're going to do today. So we thought, why, why let somebody water it down with their stories from the road and experiences when we could just pop off? I mean, I... Shout out to big friend of the show. He's actually the logo of the show. Garrett May, the Jerry West of the Passing Dimes podcast, he came up with the terminology popping off, which I use almost daily. Josh, care to explain what a pop is? You know, as soon as you mentioned Garrett getting credit for that, I think that in itself is a pop, because if you were to ask Aaron Cadu and Marquise and that crowd, I think they would take credit for the pop. But I, I define the pop as you being so confident, saying something like it's the surest thing you've ever said in your life, with actually having zero factual background of saying like, Dallas, did you know that everyone's favorite Jolly Rancher is Red Jolly Ranchers? That would be a pop. And you know what my response would be to the said Jolly Rancher question? I'd throw my hands in the air, look around and go, pop. Oh, hey. Pop, oh, pop, oh, pop, oh. pop, total pop. <laughs> so we want to start engaging you guys a little bit more on social media, Facebook, Instagram, we need you to tell us your biggest pop. What have you said to someone with such conviction where in reality you had absolutely no idea what you were talking about? So here's one from today. Uh, I posted a video of Gabe Berlaku and Cam Whelan showing off their soccer skills at the beach. Gabe tells me today he thinks he's the best multi-sport athlete in beach volleyball. Oh my God. So you're right away thinking pop. Huge, biggest pop. I think he's in the conversation because you know he, he was a division one soccer scholarship. He turned down soccer to play volleyball. I don't know if you know that. That's a fun fact. We'll have to get him on the show. I think that's a pop. Well, it <laughs> could be. But I think right away, my mind goes to Jack McBain, 18U Beach National Champion and already drafted to the NHL playing Division One hockey in the States. That's a pretty good multi-sport athlete right off the bat. I mean, that's a pop too. What? I mean, 18U Nationals, this doesn't really count. <laughs> okay, so I'll go one more and then maybe you could suggest one. I think Sam Schachter would be a great multi-sport athlete. The way he moves, he's bigger than people think he is. Sam's like a true 6'5", but because... No, he's taller than that. He's actually taller than Sam So Pedlo. he moves super well, super smooth. That guy could play any sport. He's also like a two handicap on the golf course. So Didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I would actually also begrudgingly throw in Samuel Pedlow, who many people don't know was a sponsored skier. Didn't know that. Okay. He had sponsorships for uh, not aggressive, ski, but like slope style skiing, half pipe skiing. That's a big man coming down the mountain. That's a big, well, it was before he worked out, so he's a little <laughs> thinner, but uh, a little thinner, a little less facial hair, but I would probably throw my hat into um, Pedlo or even maybe friend of the show, Aaron Nussbaum. You think Nuzzy is a multi-sport athlete? Yeah, he played soccer, he played hockey, uh, terrible golfer, but... I think he went overseas to Ireland when he was a kid to play soccer and, uh, and was, I think, a double-A hockey player as well. On the women's side, I would say Autumn Bailey is a very good athlete. I think any throwing sport, she would be very dominant. When we had her on the show, she talked about how her dad was a professional baseball player and taught her how to throw. I think she could make that transfer. Or a uh, friend of the show, Lane Van Buskirk, is a very good tennis player. She turned down some opportunities to play tennis at the post-secondary level, to play Division One volleyball. I think she... Again, any, any throwing sport, I think she, she's long, she moves well. I think she'd be a good nomination as well on the women's side. I know there's a few. I don't know. Let, let's see who pops off on social media. Who could really bring this one home? Yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts about it too. Uh, Passing Dimes verse. I don't know if that would be uh, taken off. I don't know either. I took a hot take there. Everybody's got a universe. I don't know. Or a nation. I don't know. We could think of Passing Dimes nation. Listen here, Dime Nation. <laughs> See, that was got potential. Was, uh, I might have to create a promo around Dime Nation. Get a t-shirt. Anyways, um, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was the multi-sport athlete conversation. I think it invites popping off, though, so we'll see what happens. That is very true. Um, most recently, our DFIVB indoor scene had its first Olympic qualification, and... Of all teams, Argentina was the first country to officially qualify for the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games. Shenanigans. I mean, I'm, I'm not as emotionally invested as I should have been, but when I saw that result, I was upset, man. I, was, I thought Canada had a good draw, good pool, we, we could get in. Uh, it's, 
Argentina's good. I just feel like we, we left that one on the table. Uh, so we're going to throw a bit of factual information here. You know, take it as you want to take it. Looking at the current teams who have qualified for the Tokyo 2020 Games, so these are all pool winners from the qualification tournament, uh, excluding host country Japan. We have Pool A winners, Brazil. Pool B winners, USA. Pool C winners, Italy. Pool D winners, Poland. Pool E winners, Russia. And Pool F winners, Argentina. Uh, Josh, how many of those teams were ranked first in the pool? All except Argentina, but with the Serpentine seeding, they would have been the seven seed, right? So Canada being six and Argentina being seven. I mean, that has to be mathematically a battle, right? Yeah, but I mean, that's also, you can make that argument for eight, nine, ten, really. The top ten, I think you if that Serpentine goes all the way through and you have uh, one, two, three, four, five, I think six, seven, eight, nine. I mean, you're still top ten in the world. I don't think Serbia beating Italy... That would really make any noise. I don't think France beating Poland, that would really ruffle any feathers. I'm a big France fan. I think that that's a tough pool. The only pool that I'm kind of looking at, Brazil over Egypt, Bulgaria, Puerto Rico. Yeah, Brazil's the favorite there. And the USA got a bit of a gift with Belgium being the toughest team in their pool. Because I think the Netherlands actually gave them the most trouble. They've got a, a young squad there that's up and coming. But yeah, the other pools, Russia taking care of Iran-Cuba. I mean, if, if Iran were to win that pool, I, I still think that's an upset. Um, yeah, probably France is the only one where I kind of go like, oh, yeah, like, France could have won that pool. I think Serbia could have won that pool. True. I think Cuba, honestly, Dark Horse could have won Pool E. They've lost so many of their guys, though. We'll see. I mean, segue, the big Norseka berth is going to be basically Cuba and Canada. I think. Winner of that goes to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, Mexico and Puerto Rico were within the top 24 here to be in this tournament. But yeah, I think it's going to come down to a Canada-Cuba final. And do we have to use the Norseka ball again? We should have done some fact-checking, but I, I think that had a big influence where fans would remember watching that show. It was in Edmonton, watching that show, watching that match, excuse me. And Cuba was just going for broke on spin serves, and they could really crack the molten. I, I think they really put the boots to Canada on their home soil. And... There hasn't really been a lot of graduated athletes from the senior national team, like retired athletes from that Rio team. So how could that not sort of be in the back of your mind if it goes to a, a one-and-done game again? Yeah, you're right. The core is back. I think we've added some nice pieces. I think Schwan being added to the conversation influences it. If Gavin's healthy, I mean, I, I think Canada has to be the favorite in Norseka because TJ's back, Gord's back. Uh, was Vigers the starting middle in Edmonton? I feel like he was. Like I, th I think we're there. Um, there was a libero controversy, but now obviously we're we're good with Blair. I mean, Dan was the guy on the court against Cuba, and we couldn't close it out there. Um, I think we've got a shot. I think we got better than a shot. I think we're hot take. Canada's gonna win it. I don't know. I think the uh, I think the proof is in the pudding, and uh, I will be happy. Uh, if they do qualify, and to be honest with you, I will not be surprised if uh, if Cuba wins. I think Cuba has uh, a way of implementing itself into the Olympics when it comes to volleyball. Let's not forget Sydney, 2000 Olympic champions, Cuba for women. Um, dark horse of the tournament in Rio was Gonzalez and oh, Rivias. Yeah. Um, taking a fifth. Uh, when they had never played an FIVB event on the beach team. Um, so you're saying if there's a country who has good players we've never heard of, it's probably Brazil first and then Cuba second. I would like say these. so because it's, I mean, politically it's so closed off and none of these guys really travel. Um, obviously there was that big incident that happened with the national team players in Finland. Um, but who knows? Who knows Who knows what they have? And... Um, I think that could that's sort of the dark horse, right? Literally, you don't know what they have to offer in terms of players or Arsenal or what they're going to bring to the table. Definitely. Uh, my next hot take would be every year it feels like our national team gets compared to USA. And there's, there's a few enemies of the show that I won't name who are always like, oh, yeah, Canada's way better than the States. Like, would you rather have Shawan or Ben Patch or all these guys? To me, it's not a comparison of Shawan versus Ben Patch. It's... The states are really good, top to bottom. Max Holt's good. Taylor Sanders good. Matt Anderson's good. Mike is good. 
the states have proven to me once again they're just better than us i don't know why canadian fans keep trying to hang on that oh well we beat them at the last olympics well yeah but they went on to get a bronze medal and we didn't like the states have a better program than us and i think this shows it that they're they're just banging right now they've they've booked a ticket to the olympics which makes our route through norseka better where if the states didn't book their ticket and we're, we had to play them and cuba for norseka i don't think we get through that I, I don't think we do either, and, and to add to your point, it seems like in crucial matches between the United States and Canada, uh, the U.S. always wins, and that isn't to take away an Olympic victory, um, but I think an Olympic pool play game is much different than an Olympic elimination game, and uh, who's to say, you know, you, you obviously build momentum. I remember the CBC did a big take on uh, on how the Canadian indoor team beat the American indoor team, but... You're right, at the end of the day, how many people are going to remember a pool play victory versus the, the tangible hardware that uh, that the team obviously won with, with their third place finish in Rio? If anything, us beating them made their story better because they had to beat Brazil in Brazil in pool play. I think they had to beat France. Like Their path to get to the bronze medal was, was battle-tested. Yeah. So that makes uh, our Norseka really interesting. The, the other continental, because like you said, the six teams are qualified, the host makes seven, 12 teams get in. Look out for the CEV. Like, that's going to be a battle because we've got... I, I'm going to say the early favorite for me is France, but there's so many teams. Like, yes, Belgium's still really good. We talked about the Netherlands. Like, there's there's going to be some good teams coming from Europe where I don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, I think France is my favorite early on, but there, there's some teams that are going to go for that. So, to add on to your point, Josh, we're actually going to play a game here at the Pass and Dimes headquarters, and we are going to take a look at the next qualifications for the federation or confederations that are playing so there is five federations that still have to qualify for the olympics uh, on the count of three we're going to go through each uh confederation and we're going to name our pick for the olympic qualification so we're going to start with the abc which is asia ready three two one china, china. Okay. Yeah, I mean... So, other than the Volley Roos, I, I'm not sure who's in that conversation with Japan already getting the early bid. Uh, we could be shocked, like, could Korea get it? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I like the way China kind of played against Canada. It went five. They've got some guys coming. They're pretty good. Yeah, I think technically China's a bit better than the power game that Australia plays. I mean, uh, you can't discredit them. They qualified in Beijing. Um, but that's, you know, almost 12 years ago. Uh, it will become Tokyo, and uh, I think the Chinese are in a better spot, especially after the performance in uh, in this tournament. So the next is the CAVB, which is Africa. Uh, ready? Three, <laughs> two, one. Egypt. Egypt. Okay. Oh. <laughs> it's I, almost like we're, we're friends or something. Uh, obviously, they were they were highly ranked. They were the 12 seed going in. They lost in Brazil's pool. To be honest, I'm I'm not sure who. Uh, Cameroon, maybe Tunisia. Like I don't know who else gets the nod. There. I I don't think anybody can get the nod other than Egypt. They're the only team that really does anything on the international stage. Um, I mean, I have high hopes for Congo. They just haven't <laughs> been able to put it together the last few years. Hey, I mean, uh, hot take. I hear that. Um, uh, hot take. I hear that. What's his name from the Toronto Raptors? Masai Ujiri. <laughs> Masai Ujiri. Oh my God! I see his face. Uh, Siakam. No, he's from Cameroon. Who's Abaka? Abaka is transitioning from the Raptors to the volleyball team. That was a tough one to that get was, out. That's not a hot take. That no. took too long to, oh, to establish. I was almost funny. Uh, and then Madagascar, obviously everyone's favorite. Right. And they made a movie about them. Exactly. Uh, okay, this one I think is going to get uh, interesting. It's the CEV, which is um, you don't even need to argue. It's the most competitive, uh, highest ranking. Confederation in the FIVB. This is Europe. I have my pick. I have my pick. Three, two, one. France. Serbia. Okay. 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 Perfect. So I'll start with you. I I think France felt a little robbed last year. The way it went, they started accusing teams of throwing matches to get them out of the playoff push. They thought the draw was messed up. You know, Agapith doesn't play friendly with other people. Kevin Tilly's coming up. They've, they've got some guys. I think France, they they were young at the last Olympics. They're not young anymore. They're established. They're good. They were in a tough pool with Poland, Slovenia, and Tunisia. I think France is, is probably the best team not qualified, other than maybe our boys in Canada. 
but uh, I'm a big France fan. So I'm going to go with Serbia. If we look at the world rankings right now, France is 8, Serbia is 9, so it's not that big of a, a difference in terms of uh, world ranking. I think the track record of the Serbian national team in the Olympics lends itself to obviously putting a high standard into this, and I think based on the pools in the qualification tournament, obviously Italy beat them, but I think Serbia beating Italy would have been the sort of most probable, um, we'll call it upset. I don't think France in Poland beating Poland is going to happen ever. Um, maybe Iran over Russia if they're lucky, if, if or you know, but I think Serbia is right there and uh, they have a history of, uh, of winning. So I'm going to go with Serbia for CV. And if there's a country who loves volleyball, I mean, Serbia is up there in like probably the top three in the world, I'd yeah. say, for fanatics. Uh, this what's next? This oh. CSV, which is South America. Yes, South America. Okay, this is going to be another interesting one. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be on the same page. I don't think so either, because uh, I'm going to take a shot in the dark. I think I might also take a shot in the dark. You can count it down when you're ready. And we're going in three, two, one. Chile. Hey! <laughs> Uh, I'll go first because I don't have any other rationale other than Hernan, Humana, and his lovely children, Felipe and Melissa. Uh, I think they're just great people. Uncle Rod, everyone I know who's Chile Chilean background is just a great person. I don't know what's going on with their federation. They're not in the top 24. They weren't at the, the tournament to try to win a bid through the front door. I'm just, when you take Argentina and Brazil out, <laughs> what do you have it, it's a bit of a shot in the dark. I mean, do you go Colombia? Do you go Ecuador? I, Venezuela, maybe? I'm going to say Chile. Also, to add on to your point, the Grimaud brothers qualified front door into the beach volleyball program. So there at least there is a foundation of beach volleyball in, um, in the country. I mean, I like that. This is a friendship thing, too. I, I'm a big fan. We have one more. And that is our homegrown uh, Norsica. And we've also sort of tipped our cap to this. Um, but for continuity's sake, I, we're going to disagree, but we can do it again. Uh, three, two, one, Cuba. I, we, you hinted it. I'm going to steal your point and use it against you. The core from the last Olympics is still there. And then we've added people. Uh, obviously... Schmidt was in the core, but I think he's more, probably more healthy now than he was at the last one because he was a little banged up. You add in a guy like Shawan, you add in uh, Stephen Marr, who's playing out of his mind. Maybe Riley Barnes gets on the squad. Brett Walsh is probably going to be the second setter. Like I think we're we're a little deeper than we were, and and the studs are still the studs. I think Canada has to be Cuba this year. Cuba, we don't really know who's on their roster, but to use our point earlier against me, I guess on the flip side would be. If any country's got good players you've never heard of, it's Brazil first, and I think Cuba second. Yeah, I mean, I sort of, again, showed my hand a little bit uh, with our earlier conversation, but I think Cuba has a history at the Olympics. It's a big volleyball country as much as it is a big baseball country. You don't know what you're going to get, and they did it in Rio, or they did it to qualify for Rio. Who's to say that they're not going to do it again? I think that's why you play the games. I mean, this I think out of all of the federations, uh, Norseka will definitely be the, the the second tightest. I think obviously CEV uh, in Europe is going to be. I mean, that could there's like probably five or six teams that could qualify, um, but I think it's a it's a two man race in Norseka for sure. I'm still going with Canada now, but I think the wrinkle in this is if I if I read the press release from Volleyball Canada properly. So the next stop in the Olympic qualification process for Canada is the Norseka Championships, which will be held on home soil in sometimes you lose a peg, sometimes you win a peg in September. But the way I'm reading this is then they advance to a zonal qualifier in January. So maybe it's not as simple as winning the next tournament like we thought. I thought it was just a continental tournament you win, you're in. So what I'm assume, what I'm reading off of this is uh, the Norseka Championship will lead a seeding into the zonal. So I don't, uh, people don't necessarily know this. But uh, is actually split up into three different zones, uh, which include the USA, Mexico, Canada, and I think uh, Jamaica or Costa Rica. I don't remember all the zones, but they're split up into three zones. So I think this would be 
uh, a ranked event to then determine a tournament to put forth the Narsika birth, but that's again so maybe a that's major how they, they keep the matches down then. So maybe four teams go to one zonal, and you got to win your zone to get to the big tournament. What I would or? assume is you you have if, if it's three or four. What I would assume is you have four zonal winners, and those four zonal winners play a pool to uh, to qualify for the Olympics. True. Okay. Uh, on the women's side, Serbia has already qualified. China joins them. USA, Brazil, Russia, Italy, and obviously with Japan hosting, uh, leaves it a little bit open with the Norseka. I think the women's is a little bit tougher as we look at the amount of Norseka teams who were seeded well. Uh, Dominicans there at eight. Puerto Rico was the 12 seed. Uh, Mexico was in the tournament. They were ranked a little bit lower than Canada. But, I mean, that's that's going to be a tough tournament to win for our women. But, uh, you know what? I'm still picking them. Okay, we're going to do the same, uh, the same pass and dimes. One, two, three count for each zones for the women's side. So, we're going to start with the Asian uh, AVC Federation. Are you ready, Joshua? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think I got one. Three... Two, one. Thailand. Thailand. Oh. Yeah. Is it? I just picked them because they were ranked higher. Than I China. did Is too. That, okay. Well, there's there's not I, a lot of I, there. Yeah, I can I, name I, one player on Thailand. I don't. Uh, I don't hold a lot to the no offense the Australian women's team. I think they're a very beach heavy um, federation. Uh, they had usually competed in lower level uh, world leagues, uh, so never really in the top. Um, again, I went. I I took this off a of world ranking as well. Let's go Africa. Three, two, one. Turkey. Yeah. Oh. Turkey's in Africa? I think so. Wouldn't they be in the CV? Oh, okay. This opens up things. Uh, again, Kenya was in the tournament. They were ranked pretty well. Do they beat out Cameroon, who was ranked a little bit ahead of them? I don't know. I think it'd just be fun to get Kenya in there. I think that'd be fun, too. I, we're going to have to get intern Jim to check if Turkey is part of the uh, African Federation. I think so. What else would they be in? I don't know on a map. Are they close enough to the CV that they are? Uh... I mean, we're gonna have to get someone in here to tell me what's up, or else I'm just gonna pop all over the place. All right, CV. You got one? Uh, yeah, I do. Are you happy with your choice? I am pretty happy okay. with my choice. Three, two, one. Netherlands. Netherlands. Okay. Oh, okay. Ooh. Ooh. So the Netherlands women—they medaled at the last Olympics. They were top ranked in their pool the same thing kind of happened with the the canada argentina flip where italy leapfrogged the netherlands to get their spot i think they're still good i think they still have the right pieces in place i think their coaching staff is real good they have some americans on their coaching staff so they're kind of using that system that the usa has so if they meet them again they will beat them again that's my pop-off again for the show but I, i'm going with the dutch i'm going to go with the polish because one i'm polish and that means a lot and two it's their national sport and if anybody loves volleyball outside of the south american country brazil it is poland uh, i think we uh brazil poland serbia are probably the ones who love it the most and who it holds the most weight like there's polish volleyball on television uh poland is my choice all right uh, Central America. Three, two, one. Argentina. Argentina. Uh, I, I mean, they were ranked well. They are in a tough pool with the States. I, I think it has to be them. I think with Brazil already claiming the spot to be in, it just makes sense. Now, lastly, this is Norseka. I We hadn't talked about this. So, I mean, I, I know what Josh is going to pick before he picks it. And he knows who he's going to pick before he picks it. And he knows who I'm going to pick before I pick, but we're still going to play this game anyway. Three, <laughs> two, one. Cuba! Oh. I'm starting to think you're a big fan of communism, and with your <laughs> political science background, you're still picking Cuba, which means you're you're secretly a fan. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm openly a fan, because I've picked both the men's and the women's team to qualify for the Olympics. Always talking about communism, not just Cuba. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I don't know what to say to that one. Cuba won the Olympics. That means you can obviously qualify 20 years later. That makes sense. Yeah, still same same cycle of athletes, yeah, I think. I think so. Same uniforms, too. Um, if you're looking for a hilarious look into volleyball past, please look up, uh, and I think our wonderful director of art, animation, and social media, Josh Nick, is going to post this, the photo of the 2000 Sydney Olympic Cuban indoor 
volleyball jerseys. Say no more. I, I, I haven't seen them, so I'm excited. I'm ready to show you on air what they look like. You can hear me typing on our big Pass and Dimes elaborate <laughs> keyboard. Cuban tire. I don't know how to type. Um, Josh, I want you to explain to me what you see when I find the right picture. I don't think these are as gnarly as you remember. That looks like a one-piece bathing suit with an Adidas logo on it. <laughs> and a number. <laughs> they wore that in competition. They wore that and won a gold medal. That's the white jersey, and you will look here for the blue jersey. I, I feel like those are not going to make a comeback, but uh, I don't know. We'd have to talk to the players. Were they even comfortable in those? I just it, It's a one-piece big one piece, excuse me, baby. It's a one-piece for sure. <laughs> <laughs> It, uh, I think people need to remember what the Cuban women wore. Um, obviously not discrediting anything they did, they won, but it's such a ludicrous outfit. I don't, like, who was to think that this is what you play volleyball in? They won. I'm, it, I'm yeah, surprised they didn't take it's, off because they did win. It's but, a uh, full swimsuit, and it's just, it's nothing other than it seems really impractical to play in. Now I want to do some research and look at other teams that Adidas hooked up with their uniforms at the games and see, did they wear the same thing? Who else was an Adidas team during that cycle? This is, now we're down the rabbit hole now. This is, this is going to bother me for a while. I mean, as a comparison, we should look at other women's, here it is, Brazil playing Cuba. I mean, shorts, shirt, onesie. Again, short, shorts, onesie. And Japan's got shorts on, yeah? Yeah. Right. Uh, Germany, short, short shirts. Shirts tucked in, yeah, even. That's, I like yeah. that. But I will give them credit, although that's the men's team. Uh, oh, Yugoslavia. So it wasn't even Serbia. It was Yugoslavia who won in 2000, and they won in Beijing. So when you're two, when the same country under a different name wins twice, that's how I know Serbia is going to win. Uh, just pop. Just another pop. Just another pop. All right, you, you've proved your point where uniforms were allowed. You didn't have to wear these, but they did. They sure did. Well, that's a fun fact. You know, it's always educational on the show, but uh, now we've covered fashion, too. We're just constantly evolving here on the Past and Eyes podcast. Moving forward, Josh, a fun little domestic tournament is happening in Canada. It is the Canadian National Beach Volleyball Championships. I'm excited. It's a good time of year. You never know what's going to happen, but I feel like this year I do know what's going to happen. Yeah, to say it's a bit of a mixed bag, I think, is an understatement. It is not uh, the strongest field that we have had in the past. It's definitely stronger than other events, uh, namely the North Bay Nationals that were in 2015. That sounds right, where friend of the show Garrett May and Maverick Hatch took it down, and I think... That was 2016. Was 2016? 2015 okay. was friend of the show and veteran guy Hugo Rosso. And Simone Factu Boutin. Hugo's a national champion? Hugo oh, is I'm, a national champion. He needs to broadcast that a little bit more. You know. 2015, national champion. And he's back. He's playing this weekend, so who knows? Maybe he'll be crowned again. Probably my favorite veteran guy that I played with. Nice, nice. Yeah, the the guys is is open. I'll, I'll say that. I don't think there's one team where you kind of go, wow, they, they really need to take this down. I think there's there's enough doubt here. Uh, I'm interested to see what the format is going to be because there's there's a bunch of teams there's three six nine twelve fifteen nineteen teams so i think you keep them together and you just whittle it off into two divisions by the end i think so that would probably make the most sense or you do a ranking system for the top six and then you let the bottom half fight for two spots and make it a top eight yeah, that's that's not inclusive enough of the uh, sport model we use here in Canada. Mm, so I, I think it, all um, nineteen will be included. Uh, so I mean, there, there's the usual suspects. I mean, Simone and Ivan are here. Uh, Fido and Donovan, some other national guys, Jake and Will. Uh, Aaron Nosman picked up Andrew Coker for this one, so that'll be an interesting pair. Uh, Sergey's going to play with Chris Tao. So there there are some national team players here, but I think the interesting story is the non-national team guys have a shot. Yeah, I mean, I wish I knew more about them because I don't recognize any of them. So we'll see what uh, what happens. I mean, we're represented by um, 
five. Oh, sorry, I forgot about Gabe as well. He's a national team member. He picked up Greg Bouquets. Five uh, provinces. So we have Manitoba, Quebec, Ontario, Nova Scotia, and Alberta. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's well represented uh, enough. Big hole. Not a single BC team uh, is in the national tournament this year. So I think the timing of Seaside throws off the BC teams where they can just go down the coast and play in a good tournament. I know it's not the national championship, but I think it was last weekend. They play in a good tournament. It's not a flight to Toronto. It's a little bit different where, I don't know, we haven't quite found the formula for that because when BC hosted, you would have noticed that Ontario teams didn't really travel out there too much. Like the, the competitive ones did, but the masses didn't. So overall, the event was a little bit smaller. Um, I know they've tried to move the youth people around for volleyball national. I just we're we're such a country with such a spread out geography and population that I don't think there is one venue where you can get everybody who needs to be there at the same time. Well, I mean, sometimes you lose a peg, sometimes you win a peg. Seems right central oh, smack in there, and they have a nice facility that they built for Canada Games. I don't know if they could host nationals there, but they could host senior nationals there at Sergeant Park. Uh, I will. You know, a friend of a friend of a friend of the show has told you that sometimes I insert myself into conversations where I don't necessarily need to be inserted. And I just want to continue that trend so that I don't break character uh, on this podcast and note that when Nationals was held in BC, your boy took home a national championship. So, I mean, there's that. There's that. And I mean, I think they're renaming Spanish Banks to uh, Dallas Banks. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Jake and Andrew won. Like, I, I was at the OV at that time, so there was one year, I think we had roughly around 200 Ontario teams playing Beach Nationals. Like, it was an over 300-team event. There was a lot of Ontario teams there. When the event was held in BC the first time, I think, th this is a bit of a pop because I don't remember the exact number, but I know it was under 40. I'm going to say it was 36. So you could see how Ontario just didn't go. So if you're a Tier 2 14-year girl, why would you apply to BC? Yeah. And that's probably what BC's thinking. If we can go to Seaside and get good competition there and have that be our, our peak event at the end of the season, why would we come to Toronto? So, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I think the men's division is going to be really good. Adam Thompson's in town from Manitoba. The Shannon brothers from Nova Scotia are here not playing together. So one of them picked up Christian Fick. Uh, one of them picked up Callahan. I haven't seen Callahan play, but Nova Scotia, they, they've got some guys who can play. I recognize the Shannon brothers' names there. Um... Ketrzynski, Ketrzynski is an interesting one. They finished, I think, second at Youth Open at OVA Provincials. I mean, Xander's a, a spin serve away from just taking over a game every time he plays. We got some team all guys with Roland and Mitch, and we got Pickett and Kirkhoff. Like, there's there's some good teams that I think, yeah, some of the national team guys like Jake and Will or, or maybe Simmer and Ivan are, are maybe leaning towards the favorite, but... You never know what Andrew Coker can bring in a weekend, so him and Nuzzy are, are right there. So I'm going to do a hot take, and I'm going to give you my podium for okay, yeah. Nationals. Podium I know that uh, the higher powers don't necessarily let Josh Nickel exercise uh, his opinion, but he will either applaud or frown in disgust at my picks. <laughs> I'm going to go with, in the third spot, picking up a bronze medal after a huge... Huge quarterfinal upset against someone. Aaron Nuss by Major Coker. Oh, you think they 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 ruin the draw in the quarters and then just can't hang on for the semis? I think so. For the bronze. I think so. I think mental okay. toughness on both of those guys' ends uh, totally puts it in their favor for some hardware. Um, I am going to go with a national final. You ready for this? I'm ready. Of Sergei Grabowski, Chris Tao. Versus the real deal, Jake McNeil, and I think he's like 5'10", 6'1", maybe Will Hoey, but he's very <laughs> agile and moves very well for someone his, uh, for, for being so tiny. Can't wait to get that guy on the show. Recent Ontario Provincial Champions, I think Will Hoey, Jake McNeil. I think they're putting it together at the right time, and uh, I think that's a big character win against Plenting and Usbaum after they did uh, you know, very well at the Pan Am Games. I think the draw really matters here because uh, Grabowski Tao have had some tough ones. I don't think they've beat uh, Kazimiaka Donovan this year. So if they're on the same side of the draw, watch out. Is this the one where they finally slay the dragon or does Fido just keep laying the snack down? I don't know. Uh, the, the other interesting one is I would like to see Jake and Will play against Simone and Ivan again. They've had some great matches. They had a barn burner of a semi at Provincials. I think anytime those guys cross up, it, it's always a good game. There's just so much excitement that's going to happen on the men's side. 
Is there a dark horse in the field? Dark horse, dark horse. Gabe and Greg. I think uh, was my that was my dark horse too. I mean, Greg, Greg spun around backwards into a bronze medal last year. So I mean, hopefully he can uh, repeat that performance again. You know, the the kid can play. Kid can play. Uh, on the women's side. Uh, I think the women's set is a little more clear-cut. I think it's a little more top-heavy. Um, again, not really well-represented across the provinces, but I will give a big shout-out to Robbins and Pike. Shout-out to you, Robbins and Pike, coming all the way from Newfoundland. Nice, and we got one Alberta team in the field. Look at them go. Vischer and Follette? Vichet and Foley, perhaps? Ooh, I, I think I like what you did there. Uh, I'm going... And then it's going to be an Ontario-Quebec battle. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like it, eh? I am going to go and say that... I'm going to go with uh, Julian Chenise in a bronze medal. Okay. I'm going to go with Harnett and Lapointe, friend of the show MC, for silver, and the McNamara Twins for gold. Yeah, I think you have have the teams sorted. I don't know if that's the order. I think when's the last time Megan and Nicole lost at home soil? They they have to be the favorite going in. Um, I mean, they lost in Edmonton, but that's okay. That, that's an FIV. When's the last time Still they lost a domestic soil. event? Intern Jim can check Fine. that. Fine, home soil, word twist. When's the last time they lost a domestic event? I I think you'd have to go way back for that. They're two-time national champions, I think, senior women's national champions, and they hold the record for being the youngest team. To win a national championship, which hot take will never get broken. I think they were both 16 years old when they won in Vancouver. You think that's the most untouchable record? I think that's got to be close. I I think in volleyball Canada records, that's the most untouchable record for sure. Fun fact that year, I think that was the year Ali and Sophie actually beat them in Canada games, so they yeah. bounced back and won nationals. Look at them go! Right? Yeah, that's got that's 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 an impressive record. It certainly won't happen at the men's game. There are no two 16 year old boys who are physical enough to dominate the, the men's side. Yet. Until we start our sports school like Norway has and we produce our own Anders. Yes, the Nickel Keith High Performance Academy is taking its first class of 2020. Yeah, we're just waiting on a few donations so we can, you know, build a facility, hire staff, uh, equipment. But we have the name. Yeah, the name is set. You yeah. know, we, we, have a, we have a concept. The Nickel Keith Icy Blizzards is the team name. Ooh, I like that. Thank you. That might be better than, uh, what was Becky's club team? She called them, they weren't the Honey Badgers, were they? I think they were the Honey Badgers. Ah, that was a good one. Yeah. Anyways. Or the Icy Whisperers, that's also, or the Icy Blizzards. I don't know, we'll see. It's gotta be Icy. You know, anything has to be better. This is my hot take. I think one of the worst club names of all time, Matt Golas, I'm looking at you. You played for a team called the Thunderbolts. There's no thunderbolt. It's a lightning bolt. Thunder is the sound of clouds and friction and weather and all that. You were a thunderbolt. That that's not a thing. That's definitely not a thing. That's like I don't even know what the. It's like an oxymoron, but it just doesn't. The thunderbolt doesn't even exist. And if he's arguing like, well, what what's a ball hawk or what's some of these other names? It doesn't matter. You were a thunderbolt, and that's like a real object. You guys thought it was a thing, and it's not a thing. And Thundercat. I think anything that starts with thunder is just on my uh, no-go list for me. See, I, I would go with that because I think then you'd have ACDC, possibly some of the best warm-up music of all time. I mean, it is playing in every hockey dressing room at every point at any given time. You think somewhere in the world that song is always playing? Yes. In some arena. Yes. I think, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's or the... Sandstorm. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, hockey. Uh, Anyways... So that covers senior nationals. I mean, we're not experts enough to cover the youth stuff, but let's let's give a couple shout-outs. Henry and White coming for 18 year girls. They're coming all the way from PEI. That's a good one because I don't know how many teams from PEI are going to be here. Uh, zero, it seems. Or one, obviously, that we showed it out. Shout-out to Jacobs and Exner coming all the way from Sass, Saskatchewan uh, in the 14U female division. I found a BC team. DeGrief and Godoy? Godoy. I mean, that works. Shout out to 15U Female, which is a straight up, almost entirely Ontario-Quebec battle. Even still, almost entirely Ontario. Uh, out of the, how many? 5, 10, 16 teams competing. 
Uh, 12 of them are from Ontario, and I'll even go as farther as saying probably 12 of them are from the GTA. Well, there you go. Uh, another PEI team, uh, Gallagher and Fogarty. Fogarty. So another PEI connection. Awesome. Oh, another one. McHatton and Hickey. Look at PEI's producing. I thought that's got to be a third of the provinces coming here to play BHS. They're sending their best, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm really interested in Robbins and Pike from the senior women. They're from Newfoundland, and I don't know if I've ever met them or heard of them. New Brunswick. I'll take that. 18, you male, Duquette, and Arsenault. Shout out to you guys and Taylor and White from Newfoundland as well. 18U boys. And shout out to the Red Razor. I, I saw Alberta at the beach this morning training. They've got 10 teams here from Alberta, so that's, that's pretty impressive. It, it's down a little bit, but I think it's mostly a youth program now. Like There wasn't a lot of uh, older athletes. Like The same guys I saw at Canada Cup in Edmonton are not here at Nationals, so... Which makes sense. There doesn't look like there is a U24 division anymore. It's, it's either you play 18 or you play adult. So. A friend of the show, Reed Hall, who was a member of the Canadian National Beach Volleyball team in the early 2000s, early to mid-2000s, told me uh, an interesting story a couple of years ago. And he said that um, the winners of the under-24 division at Nationals would receive an automatic card as a development team for the Canadian national team. So that's why you saw really good teams like uh, he was playing. I think Matt Fugard had a good U24. Josh Chisholm and Reed Hall won one year. Um, I think Snake played U24 a couple times. Nico Rugovina. Like, there were some guys. There were some guys. And I think that was a very good uh, way of keeping guys, we'll say, in their division. Um, I think definitely since I have been a part of uh, the national team, I won't say the, the volleyball community, but since I've been part of the national team, the youth division national championships uh, have almost been watered down in the sense of an 18U national championship doesn't hold as much weight in the beach volleyball community as it would, say, the indoor volleyball community. That's interesting about the U24 thing. I had forgotten about that. I think even in your generation, there was controversy the one year in 18U that uh, Chow Del Bianco and Nazbamo Gorman didn't play adult because everyone thought they were ready to play adult and they chose to stay in 18U. Where if we had like a U24, U22, that would give them more meaningful games because they really didn't face too much tough competition until playoffs. Maybe that'll give them more meaningful competition and will produce more younger players for the program because we, we need some youth, I think. We're good for this cycle, but next cycle is kind of wide open as far as some players, right? I think the trim you're looking for is up Shits Creek. Ah, yeah, possibly. I think Quebec's doing it right, where at some of their events, the best result by a youth team, whatever they dictate, so if it's an adult tournament, maybe they say the, the highest result for the 18U division gets prize money. Yeah. I think that's kind of a neat idea. If you want the youth guys playing adult, that's fine, but I think there's got to be some incentive. Or like you say... Let's put a card on the line and have a U24 division. I mean, it's you're winning $12,000. I think that's a great thing. I think, you know, there used to be under 18, under 21, and under 24 in nationals. And now it's it's essentially 18U in men. Which, on the service level, it makes the men's division look big. Because what do you say, there was 19 teams or 18 yeah. teams or something? But Ketrzynski, Ketrzynski could be a really good team in that U24 division. Uh, Bouchard and Newart, like there, there's other people who could be, again, we're looking for meaningful matches, we're looking for them to be pushed, have the pressure to win a quarter, a semi, a final, where maybe they don't get that opportunity in the men's format. Sure, they play better teams overall, but it's not, it's not the same environment. I think it's important to go deep into a tournament and feel that pressure sometimes, too. Absolutely. Good hot take by Reed Hall. We'll have to have him on the show soon. Doing big things at the Athlete Matrix. Shout them out, too. they got a hot Instagram page. Yeah. Good. Uh, we haven't talked in a while. I feel like we've missed some things, so Pan Am update. Mike and Aaron take a fourth. Big shout-out to the boys taking a fourth. Honestly, expected them to win the bronze medal once they got there, but big wins over uh, the USA uh, in their quarterfinal. And, uh, I mean, talk about a heavy pool. Number one, two, and four coming out of Pool D in the Pan Am games. So there you go. Aaron and Mike played very, very well, so Mike is off for Beach Nationals. Everybody saw the cast on his hand for uh, Provincials, so get him rested up. Hopefully they can play in 
I know there's a China three star, there's a Mexico four star. I don't think they're on the Norseka list. Maybe they can go to Norseka finals though. Uh, but I don't think their season's done by any means, but Mike obviously needs to rest up a little bit. And on the women's side, Amanda and MC took a ninth. Uh, the positive showing there is when they were out of the medal round, they still competed and they had to win yep. two more matches. So that's that's not easy to do. It's kind of a letdown, but I think they showed some grit and they're they're ready to go after that. Yeah, uh, you know, can't can't uh, can't bat an eye at two top ten finishes by any means. And the women's indoor team finished eighth, which on the surface level is a little disappointing until you go up and down that roster and you count how many people were playing in their first international competition. So I think that just that's kind of on par for where our women's indoor team is right now, that we need as many meaningful games for our, our athletes as we can get. So, I mean, some got to compete at FISU, which is international. Some got to compete at Pan Am. And then obviously they competed at the Olympic qualifiers. So we'll look for them down the road. They've got Norseka uh, to take care of. Yeah, and the men's team, after taking a bronze medal in 2015 in Toronto, actually didn't qualify for the Pan Am Games. We'll have to get somebody with some inside knowledge. My understanding is they, they only went to one of the events to qualify, where they could have went to two. So I don't know what happened with the scheduling or the depth or were people in U Sports or CIS. feels like something fell off there because look at how well like our U21 team has done the last couple of years. Like we, we have some bodies who want to go to that, but maybe because we are in the world championship now for U21 that it's just not there. Maybe the powers that be didn't view Pan Am as a meaningful competition because we've got world championships up and down the list right now. Which is really interesting because it's a multi-sport games and there are certain sports that if you win Pan Am's, you qualify for the Olympics. Um, like synchronized swimming, Canada won, they got an automatic berth to the Olympics. That's pretty sweet. And yeah, I think you can't, can't underestimate the multi-sport games feeling of having to live in the village, having to kind of get up for competition days, the distractions, dealing with all that, where, yeah, I, I think it's easy for you and I to say that we missed the boat on that, but I, I honestly don't know what went into the qualification for that. I, I was looking up the results and I was actually surprised that they weren't even there, so shows what I know. Well, good. Thank you for your hot take on... Uh, Everything. <laughs> on, on Beach Nationals, especially. I won't be making any predictions because I'm there to support everybody. I just hope everybody has a good time. Yeah, yeah, I know. Fun is the name of the game. <laughs> I just hope for as much volleyball as possible. So I know referees and tournament organizers aren't always a fan when things go three, but I hope we see a 42-40 third set at some point, you know? My, more volleyball. My favorite um, insider knowledge about referees, and I won't mention um, her or his name for story's sake, but one of the funniest things I've ever heard in an off-the-cuff conversation with, with a referee is that they told me that uh, at either a domestic, an international, or a multi-sport games uh, tournament, the first referee whose game goes to three has to buy a round of drinks for all of the referees in the tournament. Ah, see? That has to be a pop, don't you think? No, it's not. So... So do you think there's referees deliberately avoiding that, or it just goes to three and you kind of go, ah, I'm the guy this I, time? I think like it has this. to be the latter. I don't think you're forcing a hand, and especially I don't think they even want to go three because then you have to buy beers for everyone. I just, I would, I would hate for some ref to be so unethical that all of a sudden it's 18-17 in the second set and the wrong team's winning, and all of a sudden a phantom net call uh, happens, or an iffy hands call, or was it in or out? I don't know. Like I, I would hate for one call to kind of shift to just so you're not the the beer guy. The beer guy. Right, maybe it was a pop. Maybe it was true. I can't say. Can't confirm or deny. Yeah, we love the refs. They uh, would never do that. Uh, yeah, we need to get a ref on here as soon as uh, you know the federation gives them the green light. There's so many. I think uh, be radical. He, he would be a good one. I think uh, absolute gem, Dimitri Magirius, would love. Got some great stories. Uh, you know, grew up refereeing me, and uh, I like Meech as a referee, and he's got some good perspective on, uh, on where the game is going as well. I have a lot of respect for the, the professional development that Dimitri's put into, not only, like, getting your badge level and working his way up to the national and international level, but... You know, like I started playing like Rec Beach just so he could feel like the empathy of what it's like in certain situations. Like the guy plays beach now just to kind of learn the game more. Where I don't think a lot of officials no. are, are, are in between the lines really being like, you know what, I should be a little bit more lenient in this situation because that's a super athletic play to make or things like that. Or, or Meach always was a good indoor player. I think he plays Scarborough men's. Like I think he's involved in the sport. He loves it. 
he loves being around the players and, and everybody where I, I think he gets it and, and the time he puts into it in every level has really made him the, the level of official that he is. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? I think that's that's it. So no guest, but still a good episode. Still I think this is gonna be our best one ever. Move over, TJ. See you later. <laughs> But seriously, if you haven't heard that episode yet, go back in time and listen to TJ Sanders and talk about the magic that is setting. Download it twice. Not once. Not twice. Possibly even thrice. You know what? Now that we're on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, you should just listen to every episode on every platform and really really give us the, that boost that we need in our confidence right now. You know? And I think the boost in our subscribers as well. And Josh... I love products and services. Don't you love products and services? I'm a big fan of products and services. Our, you know, we have so much knowledge about products and services. We would love to share with you on a platform that allows us to. So if you know of any businesses or products or service that would like to be involved in what we're doing, please shout them out to us and we'd be more than happy to promote, enhance, and just overall test what they are doing with their products and services. You know, Dad, we've got a nice little uh, package created where we can talk about demographics, listeners, all areas of the country and world we visited now. That that Estonia episode or the Norway episode, we, we've gone global. We have gone global. You know what? That's, that's going to be my other hot take. You know what? Anna Dunswen and MC Lapointe, we have more international listeners from Norway than we do from your home provinces. So why don't you share your episode a little bit and maybe get some friends and family from back home listening. Yeah, that's not even a hot take. That's a straight factoid. More fans in Estonia than we do in Nova Scotia. I, I won't have it. I won't have it. <laughs> uh, that does it for episode number 20 of the Passing Dimes podcast. <laughs> uh, be sure to check us out on Podbeam, Instagram, Facebook, and Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever you get your bootleg podcasts from. And if you're at Beach Nationals here in Toronto this weekend, give us a hello. Yeah, give us a hey. How you doing? You'll be there Sunday? Maybe Saturday, too. Oh, yeah, I'll be there all three days and maybe even at the uh, Bombay Beach Club on Saturday night. Hey, yeah, see you there. See you there. Bye, Josh's mom. Bye, mom. Thanks for listening. We look forward to everyone's comments on who the best multi-sport athlete in volleyball is and what record is most Gretzky unbreakable like in Canadian volleyball. In lieu of birthday gifts, Josh is encouraging subscriptions or five-star reviews to Passing Dimes on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes coming every Friday. If there's a guest you think we should get, shoot us a message and stay excellent, friends.